0: So soothing, isn't it? I know. And now we're going to also talk to the very soothing Vaughn Palmer for the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Well, we'll give soothing a try. How do I sound? You sound like you're sitting right here in the room with me, which is amazing because I know you're not because you isolate yourself down in your basement.
1: Uh, yes, I'm in my command center here in the provincial <laughs> capital. I've moved upstairs, however, Simi. Uh, I'm not quite as afraid as I used to be of the pandemic. It's a beautiful sunny day in Victoria. Wow. There's your weather report. And, of course, Victoria is uh, lagging slightly behind the rest of the world the way it usually does.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you like it that way. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about the update on this port strike situation. Are we seeing signs of concern out there? More and more politicians saying, hey, we got to do something. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Simi, mean, I'm looking at a lot of the national coverage on this, and you realize as you look at this stuff, it is not just about us here in British Columbia, so here's the headline this morning on my counterpart at the Calgary Herald, Don Braid, uh, BC port worker strike a looming economic disaster for Alberta, so half a billion dollars worth of stuff from Alberta goes through the two big BC ports, Vancouver and and Prince Rupert. Uh, Saskatchewan, the potash industry is already looking at backup places to send potash. 70% of it goes through BC. They're looking at Texas and New Brunswick as backups. Uh, well, automobile industry, I didn't really occur to me immediately, but Ontario and Quebec really should have BC on the radar screen because uh, I see several hundred thousand vehicles a year plus parts come in through the Port of Vancouver. So, you know, if Ottawa hasn't got the attention of this thing, uh, it should. But again, and I'm noticing this, particularly in Saskatchewan and Alberta, they're making the point That when the Montreal port went on strike in 2021, Ottawa was ready to go and they acted within a day to bring it to an end. Well, what's the difference here then? Well, the feds say, oh, it's, you know, it's different. They say, first of all, that was the pandemic and we were getting medical supplies through the port of Montreal. But second of all, they say the talks there were stalled for months The minister, O'Regan, said, he was in Vancouver yesterday, he says, no, no, you know, we're still talking here. I still believe the best deals are gotten at the bargaining table. I noticed, Simi, that he met with B.C.'s labor minister, Harry Baines. And if I know the B.C. New Democrats, I'm sure Harry told them the NDP mantra, get a deal at the bargaining table. And by no coincidence, that's what the union is saying, too. They're saying, Ottawa, please don't intervene. But, Simi, the pressure for intervention has got to be building.
0: Well, it has to be, right? Because you do have uh, politicians in other provinces saying do something here. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be interesting. You've got Premier David Eby yes. on,
1: and it would be a departure for the new Democrats to join that chorus saying government intervene. But I think, given the the central importance of this, not to just the BC economy, although it is, and it's important to consumers too, as we've noted yesterday. You know that a lot of the stuff we buy comes in through the port, and a lot of the stuff our manufacturers need to make stuff comes in through the port. So I think Premier's got to say something about this. Uh, I think he's got some explaining to do if he doesn't join the chorus of voices right across the country saying, Ottawa, intervene, the economy can't stand this. Again, another number. What, a billion dollars worth of stuff goes through the B.C. ports, not just from B.C., but other yeah. provinces every day.
0: What I also don't understand here about the federal government's take on this is, you know, it would take days, as we've been saying, for them to get up and running. If they did decide to intervene, why not have that at the ready? Like, why, why wait until the last minute to do all that?
1: Well, Simi, I have to hope that they've drafted the legislation. I mean, as I said, in Montreal, they were ready to go within a day and they acted within a day. Somewhere in that massive concentration of public servants and lawyers that we know is Ottawa, someone has got to have drafted the back to work bill, even if the minister doesn't want to call on it. And you're right, they've got to call back Parliament too. Now, if they call back Parliament to do this, they'll have the votes. The federal NDP doesn't support doing this, but I'd be astonished if the conservatives don't line up immediately and say, yeah, we'll vote for it, because after all, the Western provinces are leading the call. Western provinces minus B.C. are leaving the call for intervention.
0: Okay, so do you think maybe they'll get to the one week mark here because we're getting really close to that?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It it takes a couple of days to recall parliament. So but parliament can sit on the weekend, too, in an emergency. I mean, again, what is the federal minister waiting for? What is the premier BC waiting for?
0: Turning our attention to what's happening in the healthcare side of things now. now Vaughn, this is interesting. This we've had this for a couple of years, but only a couple of communities were doing it. But now the whole province is, gets a chance to find a family doctor.
1: Well, that's the theory. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Dick's press conference yesterday, uh, expanding the access to find your family doctor. Uh, expanding it to the whole province. People who've already registered, they'll be able to, well, they, in theory, they will get uh, some offers, uh, some options for that uh, later this summer. Uh, the entire system, though, won't be up and running until uh, the end of the year, and I I say let's just wait and see how it works out. You know, Simi, there's a there's a mean political cartoon in the Victoria paper this week. Adrian Rayside has portrayed quote the collected speeches of Adrian Dix. They're on vinyl, and the punchline is help is on the way. Click help is on the way. Click help is on the way. Uh, <laughs> Look, we we need to be patient, as the New Democrats keep telling us, but uh, there was one number that jumped out yesterday, and Dix is a master of numbers. He said, he said, that, what, let's see, there are 900, 900 primary care providers, doctors, and nurse practitioners accepting new patients in B.C., So that's one for every thousand British Columbians that's looking for a family doctor. That's government stats, right? I'm thinking, Simi, if the listener out there is looking for family doctor, he or she is going to be wondering, where are those 900 people? Because it's a nightmare finding them, I gather, even with this website.
0: Well, yeah. And I understand. Okay, nurse practitioners is a good move too. But yeah. the question does become, as you say, do we even have enough people? It's going to take a few years. And for somebody who's already been waiting a few years for a family doctor, this is no easy, quick fix.
1: Yeah. No, I see there's a woman uh, quoted in uh, a piece in the Sun today by my colleague, Katie DeRosa. And she's been looking and she's been looking. And, you know, she makes an interesting point. They're going to expand the number of the availability of the ability to look. They're going from a pilot project to the whole province. It's going to take a while. But she guesses correctly that what that means is, with hundreds of thousands of people not having a family doctor, more competition for the relatively small number of doctors who are taking more patients. And, of course, those doctors are already up and operating. We don't know how many of them are all new. We don't know how many spaces they have, but they're not likely to have enough spaces to address the needs of all the people who need and want a family doctor.
0: Okay. And even though they I know they're talking about bringing more family doctors in, yeah. uh, they've got yeah. more people signing up. They seem to put a lot of faith in this new agreement.
1: Yeah, they do. And, you know, it, it's a step in the right direction for sure. I think the fact that the the number of doctors out there, they've reversed the trend for family doctors. So before this deal, what was happening was family doctors were giving up family practice and uh, closing their offices and either retiring or becoming hospitalists, jobs, uh, joining clinics, jo- places where they didn't have to pay the in- growing overhead of maintaining an office. So they reverse that trend. And that's a good thing for sure. Uh, And you can see it in the um, Surrey's a good example, where the hospitalists are now looking for a better deal because the economic incentives for them, some of them, is to go back to being family doctors. So, you know, there's no question that all this stuff is a step in the right direction. You're hearing it uh, from the doctors of B.C., for one thing. But still, the timeline on this, uh, it's going to take a long time. And I know you've heard the stories. I've heard them as well. If you don't have a family doctor and you have complex medical needs, more than one condition, chronic, things keep changing, having to go through clinics, having to oh, it's terrible. Yeah, go through emergency wards, it's terrible. I mean, this is a huge problem for uh, happily not everybody out there but the people for whom this is a problem people for whom their family doctor just shut down and retired right and that happened um and you i heard as well from family doctors who said yeah well they would have loved to have passed their practice on to somebody else there were no takers yeah you know? i talked to a family doctor in victoria who told me that he couldn't persuade his own son graduating from medical school to take on the family practice. You know, dad, there's no money
0: in it, right? Well, also, I, mean, <laughs> I, I know a couple of young doctors who I asked one of them, like, why not take a full-time job? This clinic needs you because we where my doctor is. And she said, you know what? I, I like setting my own schedule. So works as yeah. a locum, goes where, you know, works a yeah. couple weeks here. And then essentially they don't necessarily want to be tied down. Yeah, no,
1: I mean, doctors are no different from the rest of us. They, they have families, they have jobs, they have priorities. And they look for the arrangement that best suits their lifestyle because, you know, none of us is getting any younger. So, again, I wish the minister luck. Put me down as a skeptic. Yesterday's announcement was another step along the way. If you read the government press release on this, though, Simi, as usual, they oversold it. Uh, Another victory lap. We're a long way from a serious victory lap on this issue.
0: All right, Vaughn. thank you.
1: Bye-bye, Simi.